Hey, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four is gonna be this morning. And, and I, I hope that you see, oh, sorry, I have to say this too. I can't believe I forgot that. We do have Bibles for you if you don't have a Bible on you. If you forgot your Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible, if you'd throw your hand up, we'd love to get a Bible into your hands. Um, if you don't own a Bible, then please put your hand up and grab one of these, take it home as our gift to you. <clears throat> As you're turning to Acts chapter four this morning, I, I hope you, you're seeing as with, with Laura talking about missions to Chad, with, with Omar talking about being sent uh, by us and partnered with us in Mexico City, I hope you're seeing something. I hope you're seeing this, that, that when you're a Christ follower, and you've been talking about this for the last six weeks, when you're a Christ follower, it's not a small change. It's a, a massive shift. When you go from being an observer of Jesus to actually becoming a participant in the grace of God, it changes everything. When, when God bursts into your life, new life, at that, that moment of salvation, you are completely revolutionized from the roots of your life, from the very foundation of who you are, all your whole life. Scripture calls it being born again. You, you go from the old to the new. You go from death to life. You're a new creation, radically changed by God. You go from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. I mean, God steps in and he conquers our prideful hearts and he gives us new hearts and continues to conquer the pride and sin and fear and despair. It changes everything. And you read in the book of Acts where, where we're in chapter four and now just sort of jumping into the middle of the story of, of the early church of the book of Acts. You read in the book of Acts how, how the early church was so transformed by Jesus that they completely transformed their culture. You read, in, you read in history what happened in the early church. You read in history what happened as the church moved on from there. And you read story after story in the history of, of church where people who are filled and experiencing the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives. And what happened? Their lives were transformed. Their families are transformed. Their communities are transformed. Their cities are transformed. Literally, their countries, the world being transformed. And, and if, if Christ has gotten a hold of your life, listen, it's gonna be evident because it will pour out from there. The series started with worship. We're talking about this idea to be a Christ follower it begins with treasuring Jesus Christ above all else. And when Christ steps into your life, when he changes your heart, he will pour out of your heart. When true Christ followers, when we gather together as the church, there's gonna be renewal happening in that church and in the community you find that church. Because if you're a true Christ follower, where you treasure Jesus Christ above all else, then Jesus will begin to be seen and heard and felt and experienced by those who are around you because it's Jesus Christ actively moving in your life through the body of Christ, the church, and people are changed. Listen, this is what we're praying for here at Harvest. This is our, our hope as a church. Our hope is not to build a large group of spectators. I have zero interest in a big crowd if that's all we're going for. I've heard it said before that you don't judge a church by its seating capacity. You need to judge a church by its sending capacity. It's not about drawing a bunch of spectators. It's about drawing a bunch of people whose lives are so radically changed by Jesus that Jesus spills out all over the place and people then spill out of the church all over the place into their families, into their communities. 
Just heard one guy speak just this past weekend, and he said this. He said that in his church, this is how he welcomes people. He's like, hey, welcome to our church. We're going to do everything we can to get you out of here. I love that, right? I love that. I want to be a church where people are looking in and saying, wow, you people really believe this. You people really believe what you're talking about. You people really live this. You guys actually look and live like Jesus. And, and what happens in the early church that, that, that started to spread and lives are being transformed and, and communities and culture is being radically transformed. But what happened is they say about 300 AD, that kind of radical fast growth began to level off. A lot of historians look back and go, man, what was going on around that time? It was around that time that Constantine stepped in and said, Christianity is now the official religion of the world, of Rome. What happens when that happens is the church begins to sit back. The church says, I guess our job's done. We've done it, man. We, we've reached the pinnacle. We're, we're noticed. We're recognized. We're, we're established now, and we don't need to push anymore. And things began to stop. Christianity began, began to become this personalized religion of, well, it's just me and Jesus, and now we just kind of hang out together and do this religious thing together. Man, let's never get there as Harvest Muskoka and Harvest Perry sound. Let's never sacrifice the mission for comfort. Let's never sacrifice the mission we've been called to, to just gather together. Let's not sacrifice generous giving for selfish hoarding. Let's be a people who are on mission. So practically then, what's that look like? We've been walking through this sermon series saying, here's what it looks like to be a Christ follower. We worship, we're in community, and we're on mission. Well, what's the practical? Remember, the practical of worship means that every day I'm treasuring Christ above all else. So every day I want to get up and I want to spend time with, with the Lord and his word. Every day I want my heart and my life to be focused on things above, not things of the earth, and that's worship. And then what's the other part of worship? Practically, it means we do this, that once a week I want to commit to get together with my fellow brothers and sisters to lift up my name in worship to spend time under the word and I want to worship together. So daily and weekly, that's my commitment. And then, then we said, well, so it's worship. It's also community. What, what a, what's community going to look like? What's my commitment there? And we said this, hey, once a week that you would commit to a small group of, of people from our church, we call them small groups. You would say, that's a group of people I'm gonna do life with. And once a week, we're gonna get together. We're gonna spend time together pressing into the word, but more importantly, taking the word and letting the word press into our lives. And we're gonna walk alongside each other. We're gonna, we're gonna be involved where there's hurt and pain. We're gonna come where there's needs. We're gonna celebrate life together. And we're gonna do that weekly. That'll spill out probably more than weekly, though, won't it? It'll be like, man, when there's needs, I'm gonna be there. That's, that's the practical of community. What's the practical of mission? I would say this, to be on mission means I go and I give. I go and I give. So practically what that means, so let, let's look at giving. First of all, once a month, I wanna look at my budget and go, what have I done? Where have I given to the cause of the mission of Jesus Christ? So I want to look at it every month. I go, well, where have I given? Where have I sacrificed? Where does my wallet display my worship? Where have I given? I want to give. The other part of that is go. I want to go. What's that look like to go? What's practically, well, to go, it means, hey, you know what? Every month I want to look at my schedule. What have I done for the cause of Christ? Well, where have I served in my church? 
Where have I committed to say, I'm a part of what God's doing here in this body, and I want to be a part of that. So here, I look at my calendar, man, here's where that happens. Here's the other bigger challenge. Maybe not just a monthly, what have I done? Let's look at a bigger picture. That wouldn't it be great? Look at how, how big of a group this is. If in this group, if yearly we said, you know what, once a year, I want to do something practical, specific, and radical. I want to serve someone. I want to serve. Uh, Child of Asian Fellowship runs those backyard clubs, man. You know what? We're going to give up a week of our summer. We're going to run a backyard club. There's a, a mission that's going out. We're going to be going to Mexico City to support Omar. Maybe there's going to be a group of you. That's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to do that. This year, that's my commitment to go. And I'm going to go and be a part of that. I'm going to serve at a camp. I'm going to volunteer a week, and I'm going to be a part of what God's doing at a camp. Just something where you would say, once a year, I want to do something larger as a family, as an individual. I mean, let's be on mission. Let's be on mission with our time, with our money, with our effort. Let's be a church full of Christ followers together on mission. Now, you've got to recognize this. It starts with Christ followers. If, if you're here going, man, I don't know if I'm a Christ follower yet. Does that mean I should start serving? No, no, no. The serving flows out of the life change. Serving's not going to do anything. You don't earn your way to God. You don't do good works and go, man, now God's going to look at me a lot better because of all this that I've done. No, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ first. It's worshipers who are on mission. That's not going to be easy. Everything I just talked about there is so countercultural to our North American church. Typically in a North American church, what we find are people will settle for this, this kind of easy, no sacrifice, no faith, no danger, no courage. I'm just going to do religion. But let's be different than that. Let's be Christ followers, not just religious observers. So what's it look like here in Acts? We're going to look at a, uh, an account that happened in the early church here, and we're going to learn from that for what's it practically look like for me to be on mission. So we're coming into this story that's already unfolding where, where Peter and John, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, they had healed this guy as they're on their way to the temple to worship. They heal this guy who's been lame his whole life, has never walked. They heal him. He's now walking. Obviously, if that happens, a crowd's going to kind of come around, right? A huge crowd gathers around. Peter then begins to preach the gospel, the good news. Jesus Christ came. We're sinners lost in need of a Savior. Jesus came to save us. When you put your trust and your hope in Christ, new life comes. You go from an enemy to a child of God. And he preaches this message. Well, the religious authorities weren't so cool with this message. They grab these guys, throw them into jail. We pick up the story with these guys now being dragged into court after they've spent time in jail and they're being questioned now. And here's what we're gonna see. <clears throat> Verses uh, 8 to 13. It says that Peter filled the Holy Spirit. They're now drawn in to question. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It says in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized they had been with Jesus. 
So quickly this morning, what, what do we see? First of all, we see this. The mission that we're called to, it's a bold mission. It's a bold mission. You're gonna see this word boldness in the chapter over and over again being said, boldness. In fact, the last verse in the book of Acts ends with the word boldness. It says, they went out and preached the good news of Jesus with boldness. I mean, it's boldness all over this thing. It's why one of our pillars as a church and we have four pillars, right? A pillar of prayer, where we're gonna be committed to prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. A pillar of worship is gonna be under everything we do, where we lift high the name of Jesus in worship. A pillar of God's word, where we'll preach the authority of God's word without apology, that this is it. But then here's this other pillar. We're gonna share the good news of Jesus with boldness. Why do we say with boldness? Because it's right here in scripture. That's the mission we're called to, this bold mission. Now, don't mistake boldness with how we normally see boldness. When I hear, man, that guy's bold, sometimes I think that guy's rude. That person's arrogant. That person's cocky. That, that person's just in your face. But there's a, there's a godly boldness that's different from earthly boldness. Godly boldness is this. You may not have the personality of being bold and stand up and in your face, but here's what boldness really means. It means you trust in the promises of God. You're confident in the promises of God. You, you see the contrast here in this account between earthly boldness and godly boldness. You have the religious leaders bold. Why are they bold? Because they got power. Because they have education. Because they, they, they can stand up and say, this is who we are. All based on themselves, on their authority. But then Peter and John stand up. I love in verse 13, it says they were shocked by their boldness. Why were they shocked? Because they were uneducated common men. They're dumbfounded by these, these yokels who are standing up so bold. These guys who don't have any position of authority. And like, how are these guys so bold, not afraid to speak the truth, being willing to stand alone? And they speak with this power and this humility. Listen, the Christian life is a call to boldness. I don't, know, I don't know when we wimped out Christianity, when it became kind of the nice person religion where we just kind of, we're just real quiet. We just kind of said, man, Jesus was not wimpy. The apostles were not wimpy. They were bold on mission in the face of fear. Now, now where's the boldness come from? If that's what we're called to, how, how can I have this kind of same boldness on mission? How, how can I be bold in what I give? How can I be bold in where I go? Again, it, it doesn't come from the horizontal. It doesn't come from, I'm not gonna pump myself up. I gotta find something deep within. I gotta watch Rocky one to five and that's gonna pump me up, right? Well, maybe one to six, not five. Five was the bad, was five the bad? Anyway, right? <clears throat> that's not what I'm talking about. Here's where boldness, it comes from trusting in a sovereign God. It comes from trusting in who God is and who God says you are, where your identity is found. Is it found in him and his promises, his power, his view of you? I mean, here, these guys are faced with this horrible, we're gonna kill you if you keep doing this. We're gonna throw you in jail if you keep talking about Jesus. And what do they do? Verse 29 of chapter four, they go to prayer. It says, now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Their boldness came from God. God, we're scared. 
They went back to the church, said this is what they've done. They've threatened us. They said they're gonna throw us in prison. Man, we're, we're, I don't picture Peter and John going, they've threatened us and it does not matter. I think they went back and go, man, we're scared. And the church going, we're scared too. What do we do? They call out to God. God, give us boldness. Not an earthly source. These guys were common, uneducated, regular people like you and me. Their boldness came because they sought it from the Lord. Their boldness came. Look at what it says in verse 13. At the end of the verse, their boldness came. Why? They recognized they'd been with Jesus. And you, you get boldness by being with Jesus. It's, it's not in our strength, it's in, in Christ's strength. It's why it needs to begin in worship. We don't start on mission. We start in a place of worship where I'm gonna treasure Christ above everything else. I'm gonna see God's promises and it's, it's the power of God in us. Ephesians says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you as a Christ follower. And it says they, they were bold because they'd been with Jesus. That just changes everything, doesn't it? When I was in college, I, I went to, to school. My first year of college, I went to school in Nashville, Tennessee. And while I was there, I worked in, with the Child Evangelism Fellowship, CEF, and I worked in one of the projects in Nashville, in the hood, all right? So I was, I was down in the, the projects there. And I gotta tell you, as a skinny white kid from Canada, I did not walk with a lot of swagger there, right? I did, I did not have thug life going on there, okay? So I, <clears throat> I didn't walk with tons of confidence, but here's what happened, though. There was one day, we were going back into the projects to do this, this work we were doing in the community center. And one of the guys in our youth group, his name was Ricky. He was actually saved out of the projects. He was a drug dealer. He was, he was a true thug. He was a, a bad dude. God got a hold of his life and rescued him. And he's like so excited that, that we were working in the same projects he grew up. And he said, man, I want to come down with you guys. He goes, I want to show you some of the places. I don't walk around the places that you probably don't want to go without me, but let's go walk and see what's up. So he now comes. Now we got Ricky with us. Do you think I walked a little differently then? right? It, it changed things by who was with me. It, it changed my fear into boldness. And, and listen, if you need boldness on the mission, get with Jesus. Get into the word, get, get into prayer. Start, start living out a Christ-like life. Be, believe in his name, believe in his promises. Be encouraged by other Christ followers. Don't run and hide out and, and avoid this. This is where the boldness is bolstered up in us because we have other Christ followers saying, hey, let me tell you how Jesus showed up in my life. And all of a sudden you have boldness. I love this story because this Peter who has boldness is the same Peter who denied Jesus just a couple of months earlier. Jesus who was being questioned in the same courtroom. But now here's Peter. What did it say in verse eight? Peter, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a different Peter. This is a Peter who says, man, I'm all in on Jesus now. I'm not holding things back. If it was a poker game, all the chips are in the middle of the table. He's not saying, well, I'll give a little bit, but I'm gonna hold this back because I'm not sure. I'm gonna wait and see if Jesus comes. No, he's like, no, Jesus completely transformed me. I'm sold out, I'm all in. Maybe you can relate more to the, the Peter of the denying Jesus part of the story. I can relate to that. my life with, with choices I've made, with sin I've got, with disappointments and hurts that have ruled my heart, with bitterness, with fear, with anxiety, with angst. Listen, that doesn't have to be the end of your story. Your story can continue like Peter's story continued. And it begins by starting to see Jesus, to take care of the sin and the brokenness, 
to be filled with the Spirit, to begin to live a life marked by boldness because you've been with Jesus. So my question is this. Do you have boldness for the mission? Maybe I'd be sitting there going, well, I don't have boldness, but I never really needed it. I, like all this talk about boldness, like I, I don't really feel like in my Christian life I need to be bold about anything. You might not be on mission. The mission requires boldness. So maybe it's time to look and go, hey, does my schedule require boldness? Like am I sacrificing things in my time? Because to sacrifice stuff takes boldness. To say, you know what, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to, to serve in this church and I'm gonna do the worship one, work one, two services here in, on our Muskoka campus, so I'm gonna serve in one service and worship in the other. Not an hour and a half now I'm giving up. I'm giving up three to four hours on a Sunday. That takes boldness. It might take boldness in your family to, to say to your kids, yeah, we're staying at church for four hours. It might take boldness in your marriage to say to your spouse, listen, this is what I'm doing. I just, I wanna be able to worship as well. I wanna serve here as well. It takes boldness. It takes boldness to say, we're gonna carve out this in our time to serve. Does your schedule require boldness? Does your giving require boldness? I don't mean the size of your gift. I mean the size of the sacrifice. God's blessed everybody here differently. Each one of us carry a a different uh, uh, amount of of what God's poured out on us financially. So it's not about the amount, but it's uh, uh, the actual amount of money, but the amount of sacrifice. Have you ever had to be bold in your giving? Where you said, if I give this, I'm gonna need to sacrifice this. That's bold. Requires boldness. Is your reputation ever tested by the mission? That takes boldness to to step out and speak at your school or your workplace where your reputation is on the line. It takes boldness. Is is your knowledge ever tested by the mission? Okay, what do you mean by that? Like, here's one. Go serve and harvest kids and hear the questions coming out of five-year-olds, right? That'll test your knowledge. Tell me why Jesus, I don't know. And you gotta, you gotta find out, right? Are you ever in a place where you're, you're serving in a, in, a, in a place where you're, you're serving in a, in a prison or a pregnancy crisis center or a or youth drop-in center where questions are being asked and it's gonna test your knowledge. Go, man, I, I gotta dig into the word and figure this out. It takes boldness. Is your comfort ever tested by the mission? Where you step out and you join in. Listen, let me say this. You might look around at our church and go, man, it seems like a pretty full church and we need your help. We need your help here. We need your help in our, in our kids' ministry. We need your help for ushers and greeters. We need help in our youth ministry to, to be able to pour out your life for the next generation coming up to be able to reach into our high schools with the gospel. We desperately need your help in that. We need your help in small groups. We need your help in biblical soul care. We need help. Can, can you step out? We, we, we need help to reach our community. Laura needs help to reach Chad. Are you on mission? God's given you the opportunity to bring hope and healing. 
God, God's given you opportunity to, to maybe even the person you're sitting next to right now who, who your God's brought you here to our church for that person. God's, God's given you opportunity to speak into a broken marriage. Maybe you've got a word of encouragement or help or life experience that you could step into that. God, God, God could use you to, to speak into hurt and pain. God could use you to, to walk alongside somebody. God could use you to be a part of rescuing a prodigal. God could use you to answer some questions of a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate. Scripture says that God has these works already laid out, already prepared before the beginning of time. He's like, I got work ready for you. And it's just up to us to step into that work. Why? Because our church needs Jesus in you. Because your family needs Jesus in you. Because our community needs Jesus in you. Because our world needs Jesus in you. When you start to understand the situation, you start to go, wait a minute, this isn't just a mission that requires boldness. This is an urgent mission. This mission is an urgent mission. You see it here in the text here that not just a bold mission, but it's an urgent mission. Look at verse 20 of Acts chapter four. Peter says this, they tell him, hey, hey, you guys be quiet. Don't talk about this Jesus anymore. Verse 20, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Do you see the urgency in that? They said, we can't help but talk about this. Now, what drives this urgency? It's a bold mission. It's an urgent mission. What drives this urgency? Well, for one, there's a passion that drives this. I mean, Peter has been completely changed by Jesus and he can't stop talking because we, we can't not talk about Jesus. I, mean, yeah, I love meeting new believers, someone who just has experienced grace for the first time. They won't shut up about Jesus, right? Amen. They just keep talking. Just, yeah, I mean, Jesus changed me. Jesus radically moved in my life and I'm a different person now. And they're telling everybody. And then what happens? I don't know, somewhere along the line, man, religion steps in somehow. There was a student of mine in the last ministry I ran. Her name was Haley. She had just experienced the grace of God. She was so excited, so on fire for the grace of God. And she asked me a question seriously. She said, hey, Kai, when will I lose this passion? I said, what do you mean, when will you lose the passion? She goes, well, I mean, I grew up in church and I just looked around at my church and it, like, is it an age? Is it a certain age where, where Christians just stop being passionate about Jesus? Because I don't see it in my church. I mean, how sad is that, right? Listen, we don't have to lose our passion. But we, we can be distracted from our passion. I mean, what are you passionate about? I mean, what, what do you find yourself talking about all the time? What do, you, what do you devote your money, your effort, your time to? I mean, that's your passion. And maybe we need to revisit the gospel like every day. Maybe we need to revisit what Christ has done every day so that we can recognize, so we can stop being so blah, ho-hum, bored with the fact that we were dead and we've been made alive. So we can get to that place like verse 20, man, I can't not talk about Jesus. My life's been changed. And listen, hobbies and sports and other interests, they're, they're okay, but if, if that's your only passion in life, if that's everything you devote your life to and you're gonna show up in heaven with a really nice car and a great golf swing and, and some trinkets and a nice garden and a successful business, like that's it? Or will you be showing up in heaven 
with people whose lives you've changed. It's an urgent mission because it's a blip. We are here for such a short time and what are we spending our energy on? I'm telling you, you wanna get to heaven to be able to look and go, look at the eternal things that God allowed me to be a part of. It's an urgent mission. Listen, we we look around us and we see that people are running everywhere looking for hope, looking for, for answers, and you have the answer. People are looking to false religions. People are looking to pop psychology. People are looking to drugs, to alcohol, to sex, to TV, to sports. Why are they doing that? They're looking for an answer, for some hope to the emptiness in their life. And, and people are dying of thirst, and you and I have the living water to point them to. There should be an urgency to this. Now, urgency and boldness don't don't send us out there being rude about it. No, it's not rudeness that will will drive this. It's a love that will drive this. You love people so much and you begin to care for them so much and you begin to show up in those places where they say, I can't believe you're here at this time. Why are you here? And as 1 Peter says, we then have an answer for the hope we have within us. We have an eternal perspective that just wants nothing more than seeing our neighbors and our friends and our families be changed for eternity. And what's that look like? And how do I do that? It's about sharing Jesus. It's about sharing your life story. It's about saying, here's where Christ had an impact in my life. It's about walking alongside a neighbor who's having a tough go in his marriage. It's about walking alongside a friend who's, who's she's just struggling with her kids. It's about jumping into situations with friends at school and at work. And do you ever feel that? I can't not talk about Jesus. It's a bold mission. It's an urgent mission. Here's our third point this morning. Not, not just is it bold and urgent, but it's a simple mission. The gospel is actually very simple. I mean, you're like, well, wait a minute. It requires boldness. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's actually fairly simple. There's, no, there's not a lot to it. Uh, have you ever tried, has anyone done this before? You cracked your iPhone. And you're like, man, I'm not buying a new one. I'm gonna go on Amazon and buy a replacement screen. And I'm gonna fix this thing myself. Have you ever done that? Maybe I'm the only moron who's tried that, all right? So here, here's, I, I've tried it a few times and, and what you do is you, you get <clears throat> this information. I, I went on, on Google and I like, searched how to replace iPhone screen. There's like a 29 step-by-step process and I, I'm working through that. I've got the tiny screwdrivers. I, I've got my mouth very guarded for curse words and I'm, I'm opening this thing up and I get to like, I remember getting to like number 17 on the list of things to do and it actually it literally said this, hey, be careful not to tear the little tiny strip when you do tear the screen away from this. And I'm like, that was number 12 when I did that. You're telling me it's 17. I ruined the iPhone, right? I'm like, what? It's so complicated. But listen, the gospel isn't anything like that. Serving isn't anything. Serving's actually quite simple. 
Sharing Jesus with someone's very simple. Sharing Jesus is us saying, hey, I don't know about you, but let me tell you about my life. I was going in a certain direction, thinking everything was going well, but I knew it wasn't. And one day I, I met Christ and my life turned and I began pursuing him instead of that. And man, there's been a radical change. I'm not perfect. I still fall and fail a lot, but man, I've got the grace of God in my life. I've got Christian brothers and sisters around me who are pointing me to Jesus. And I've got a whole new purpose and identity. I'm an accepted child of God. Amen. That's a good thing to clap for. But it's simple. That's it. That, that's the story. That's what you're, you're sharing. And, and how do you do it? Share that testimony with people. That's serving. That's being on mission. Your testimony basically is this. Here's me before Jesus. Here's how I met Christ. And here's me now walking with him. That's a testimony. If you know Jesus, you have a testimony. We share the gospel. We share, we, we, we share the, the gospel that, that says that we were lost and broken. It's really what Peter just lays out in verses 10 to 12. Is that Jesus Christ was crucified, that we were so broken, so separated from God. And listen, nobody in our culture would ever debate that. No one's ever gonna say, no, actually, I think I am perfect. And the gospel says that Jesus Christ stepped into that brokenness and provided a way. None of us could meet God. None of us could be right with God outside of this. And I was so broken that Jesus had to die in my place because the consequences of sin is death. Jesus died. And by embracing that, by believing in that, what's it mean to believe? It means to put your full weight on, trusting in that completely. You now can walk in the newness of life. Your life is now changed. That's the gospel. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I've never done that before, that's the beginning point of the mission where you recognize my sin has separated me from God, but Christ has made a way and I'm going to rest in that. Christ will become my all in all, that Jesus died in my place and God raised him from the dead, raised him from the dead, conquering sin and death forever. That's the gospel. There's no other name that saves than that. Share your testimony, share the gospel. Listen, this is important. You wanna be on mission, live the gospel. That as Christians, that we would really love people, we'd really care about needs. I mean, people, look, people are looking to see, is this real? Not just what you talk about, but is this real and how you live your life? Are you actually the hands and feet of Jesus? The early church flourished because they were the hands and feet of Jesus, because they took care of people's needs, the hurting, the broken, the widow, the poor. They stepped out and they loved people. They gave more than they took. I mean, think about how this would turn our community upside down. I'm telling you, it's happening though. People are looking in and seeing this happen from your life. Saying, man, this church, what's going on? These people love people. It's happening. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying this morning is if you're doing that, continue to do it only more so. If you're not doing that, join in. Begin to be on mission with us and let's see what happens. It, it was super cool. Uh, we were at the Free Indeed conference, right? There's this men's conference that just happened and, and I invited a, another pastor from, from our community. I said, hey, why don't you come? He's just been having a tough go of it. He just had a really rough time. I said, why don't you come? We'll, we'll, you'll be our guest. And on his way down, he was sitting at a bunch of tables where our harvest guys were sitting. And he's just kind of cruising the tables at this restaurant one the first night we were there. And he, and he said to me as I dropped him off at the end of the, the retreat, he said, you know what I noticed? He goes, every table I sat at, 
men were talking about, excited about people they were either walking with, talking about walking with people struggling with pornography, talking about walking with men whose marriages were on fire and, and they were walking alongside and they were seeing some victory in that. He says they're either talking about walking with somebody or they were talking about how someone else walked with them. I mean, praise God for that. That's a work of the Spirit in your life, in our church. Let's keep doing that. Live the gospel, share the gospel, share your testimony, invite somebody to church. I mean, let's see this grow. Let's see this happen. Let's, let's serve in a way where this can continue to happen. And maybe that means on a Sunday morning, you say, man, I wanna, I wanna share the load. I wanna be on the setup teardown team. I wanna be on the worship team. I wanna be on the, the, the greeting team. I wanna be a person who when somebody comes in, they see the love of Jesus right away. I've been welcomed into the family of God. I wanna welcome people to my church. Right? I want to I serve and harvest kids so that, that people only have to serve once a month. I want to share the load in that. I want to look around in my community and see where, where I can jump on board. Where I love hearing about small groups saying, man, as a small group, we've committed that we go and we serve together. But this only works, listen, this only works when we share the load of kingdom responsibility. So if you're a Christ follower this morning, it's only for you if you're a Christ follower, if you call this your home, you say, I, I go to Harvest, that's my church, are you sharing the kingdom load? A good way to think about that is imagine this. Imagine if you would, if, if everybody here, everybody at Harvest served the exact way you served. They gave how you gave, time, financially, and they did everything how you did it. How would we do as a church? Where, where do you see yourself in this church? Are you sitting in the, in the, the section of this church where, 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 where you're just really kind of just observing? And listen, if you're here and you're checking out Jesus, then you're off the hook. Find Jesus first. But if you're here and you know Jesus and this is your church, but you still see yourself sitting in the spectator section of the church, here's the danger. Spectators very quickly become consumers in a church. very quickly becomes, what's in it for me in this place? How can this place serve me? My prayer is as God continue to grow up the group of people who have moved from just being a spectator of a religion, just being a spectator of what God's doing and join in on the mission. Let's be on mission so that we see the power of God and we, we come here to celebrate that on a Sunday. That we, we see the power of God and we connect with our small group because we desperately need God in our life to keep on this mission. Here's our last point, the quickest one. It's a mission dependent on Jesus. I mean, all this talk of boldness and, and urgency and simplicity, let's not forget this. It's not by human effort we accomplish this. We can't just try harder, work more. I don't want you to hear this. Okay, fine, Pastor Kai, I'll change my schedule. I'll change my giving. I'll change where I go. I'll serve here. I'll just do, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is by the power of the spirit in your life, my prayer is that that happens, that we, we, we rest in his strength. We, we get our courage from the spirit. So what do we do? We begin to pray for boldness. That's a scary prayer to pray, by the way. Just a second. Praying for boldness is a bit like praying for patience, all right? God will give you reasons to need it, okay? So if you're, I'm telling you, don't not do it, but when you start praying, Lord, give me boldness, you're, you're gonna find some reasons to need that boldness. 
They pray here. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And all were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Listen, as the worst team comes up this morning, when, when you hear that, that they prayed and the place was shook. I mean, do you believe that could happen here? I mean, they're praying to the same God. They're, they're a group of Christ followers. They're saying, we need boldness. And the, the place shook. I'm praying, Lord, make that happen here. Make, make, God, God, would you fall on this place in such a way that people never leave here talking about anything but you, Lord God. I mean, that place shook. I don't think they walked out going, man, Peter is a really good preacher. They didn't walk out of there saying, John could sure lead some good worship. I don't know if John was a worship leader. I'm making that up, right? But they didn't talk about that. They would have left talking about God. Why? Because they had this undeniable encounter with the living God. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Listen, if we want that to happen, if we want, God, I want you to show up in that kind of power that I experience you in that way. God does it. You see it all through scripture. God shows up in power when? When people are on mission. God showed up. Elijah stands up and calls down fire from heaven. Why? Because he was in opposition of 400 prophets of Baal. They're ready to kill him. God didn't show up in power because Elijah was just kind of wandering around the wilderness because he was just sort of showed up at the temple to worship once a month, right? No, no, God showed up because Elijah needed him in that moment. God showed up here in Acts. Why? Because they were on mission. That's where you experience the presence of God. If you aren't really experiencing the presence of God in your life, my question is this, are you on mission? Are you on mission in your marriage? Are you on mission in your family? Are you on mission at your workplace, in your school, in our community, in our church? Are you making disciples? That's where we experience the power and the presence of God. Listen, I do believe that God's glory is experienced as we worship. Scripture says that. That he inhabits the praise of his people, but I'm telling you, it's for, an, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's for a purpose. It's not supposed to end in worship. It's, it's for us to be go out of here and we see God show up. We need him to act and he acts. We say that we want God to do, the, to, to do the miraculous like he did in the book of Acts and yet we don't lead lives that need him to do the miraculous. When I look at scripture, it's when we're out there on mission, taking risks, serving, giving, going. It's there that we see addictions broken. It's there that we see marriages being healed. It's there that the lost are found, the hopeless find hope. Let's step out. Let's step out. So we come together on Sunday morning. We come together in small groups in the conversations. You would not believe what God did. Man, I spoke up in my school. You wouldn't believe what God did. I stepped into this tough situation. You wouldn't believe how God showed up and it was miraculous what he did. Let me tell you where Jesus showed up. So do you stand with me right now? And here's what I want us to do as we stand together. That we would begin even now to pray for courage and boldness. 
that we would admit, Lord, I'm scared. I'm scared to step into my marriage to serve. I'm scared to step into my church to serve. I'm scared to step into my workplace, into the world, into our community. This scares me to do that. Let's admit that this morning and pray. If not, Lord, build up in me my own strength. God, fill me with your spirit and give me boldness. That we wouldn't be content to fill up this place with spectators, but we would be, this place would be so filled up, so overflowing with the Spirit of God that more people are hearing and more people are experiencing this new life. And so right now, where you are, before we sing, I'm gonna ask us to do this, that in the quiet of your heart, that you begin to pray. And maybe your prayer needs to start with confession. You say, Lord, I have not been bold. Maybe your prayer needs to start with laying hurt and fear and giving that to the Lord. Maybe that's where you begin to pray. And pray that your heart would be filled with worship, that you would treasure Jesus above everything else, greater than the hurt, greater than your sin, greater than the temptation, greater than your fears. And that from there, you begin to pray, Lord, use me. Maybe even right now, there are faces that are, are kind of coming to mind where you know, God, you've been calling me there. You pray, Lord, let me be Jesus in that person's life. Let me be Jesus in this place. Lord, send me. Lord, use me. May I be your hands and feet there. May I be your mouth there. you pray for the courage to do that. Lord Jesus, we want to follow you wherever you lead us, but we need your strength, your spirit. Would you fill us with your boldness and send us out of here on mission, that we would be bold, that we would see the urgency of this, that we would recognize the simplicity of we're just pointing people to Jesus. Lord God, may we be Jesus in our marriages to point our spouse to Jesus. May we be Jesus in our families to, to point our kids, to point our parents, to point our brothers and sisters to Jesus. May we be on mission in our workplace, in our school, in our community where we're pointing others to you, Lord Jesus, as we follow you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.